0: Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast, the Latinx show where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. Woo! On this episode of Tamarindo, we introduce you to a new segment called Retos. And we're going to dive into this book called Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. I mean, we don't get that deep into it. It's not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter is the name of the book, but it really helped us spin off a good conversation on identity. You're going to enjoy it. And then finally, of course, we have co-signed Basuras and Matracas. So much fun, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Well, Tamarindo Podcast listeners, you might have seen that we launched a new segment if you follow us on the Insta at Tamarindo Podcast, the or the uh, the Twitter at Tamarindo Cast.
1: Or the Facebook. Do or we the have a f- Facebook? We
0: do have a Facebook, but I don't use it that much. Or the Facebook at the Facebook. <laughs> look
1: <laughs> you look don't that even one know. up
0: yourself. Um, yes, anyways, we, we talked about a new segment called Retos, and Ana Sheila is going to Remind everybody, unless in case you didn't follow us on all the social media platforms, what is the new Reto segment that we launched? So the
1: new Reto segment, um, basically they are challenges that we are, me and you will be doing and that we will be encouraging our listeners to do as well that maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable, maybe are a little bit hard, but the point of them is to kind of help you see maybe what are some of the things that you're doing on the daily that you're not aware of that are maybe not so healthy for you, or that just like can bring some awareness into like what you're doing and whether it's helpful or harmful or something in between.
0: Love it. This is part of the doing it all con calma. (laughs) So what was the last reto that we, or the first, the first reto that we launched? What was that? And uh, how did people do, how did I react when you first pitched it to me?
1: (laughs) So for our first reto, basically Brenda and I pretended that our smartphones were not smart. So basically taking it back to what, like... The early
0: 2000s way back in the early 2000s <laughs>
1: yeah well, by the way what was your first phone brenda what did it look like
0: oh um like everybody had like that nokia little black the nokia. phone with the, with the antenna but mm-hmm. one of my favorite phones that i ever had it was so cute it was like it was tiny i don't know let's see three inches tall maybe maybe long maybe like four inches and it was like this tan beautiful little phone it was when back when uh Singular used to exist, which has got taken over by AT. Oh, singular, remember yeah. That? It was so cute. It was so cute. Such a cute phone. And I w- always used to wear a lot of Wait, tan what color stuff. Was it was, it? was tan. tan. It was tan. <laughs> and I always used to wear that like that. That was my color. It was so cute. They don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> Did you ever put like
1: little diamonds on it? Do you remember no, people putting diamonds it. on the back I haven't, You didn't bedazzle I it?
0: have not bedazzled <laughs> anything. uh, but what do we do with this challenge? It was to Use our phones. Not yeah. So
1: basically the only thing that you could do on your phone was send text messages or make calls, which is what we could do when we first got phones. Yes. And so the point was to really kind of check yourself and like what kind of just be super aware of what kind of relationship you have with your phone, because I think a lot of us don't really even realize what kind of relationship we have with our phone and how dependent we are on it. So that so was kind of like a, you know, a check just to kind of see, to see where you're at. So I'm curious um, to hear about your experience, Brenda. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, uh, when,
0: when you, Anana Shayla first told me about this challenge, she said we should do it for a week. And I was like, absolutely not. So we agreed to do it for 48 hours. And we we challenged some of our listeners to try it as well. And if you're listening to this challenge for the first time, it's okay. Do it now. You could still do it. So yes, 48 hours. I would hours. love it. Yeah. Do it now. So, okay. So what I did first is I eliminated all of um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, all of these modern day apps. Um, I think I might even deleted Lyft. So those are the ones that I use the most. And the other thing that I did is I I immediately strategized because I already had plans to meet with some friends and I knew it was going to take a lift but I remembered that there's a hotel across the street from where I work where there's taxis sitting there. So I already was like, okay, I'm going to take a taxi. (laughs) So I strategized (laughs) on a couple things um so my okay that was
1: really smart by the way that you uh deleted all your apps right away so i the mis i made the mistake of not doing oh, that yeah? anyways, Which oh we'll get God. to. Again.
0: did you accidentally click on them so and i check? accidentally
1: clicked on them oh and i just God. not even thinking so that was one of the first things that i noticed like i like not even i wasn't even consciously clicking on my phone it was completely unconscious clicking yeah and so once i did that i was like okay you know what, I need to delete all the most popular ones because I don't even realize when I'm going to click on them. Yes, the crazy? other thing
0: I really missed was podcasts because I yeah. listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, okay, so... Okay. Yeah, so
1: what was... Uh, tell me, was anything surprising
0: about Well, it? I mean, I remember just... Uh, okay, I, I, it made me be very observant. So I take public transit, so... I uh, I observed how everybody was just buried into their phone, and that I couldn't do it. And um, so, what I did instead is I looked at these pigeons. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I made detailed observations on downtown LA pigeons, and there was like this group of pigeons, and there's this one pigeon that was like bullying all of them. And this is a podcast, but you can't I see. I wish you guys could see that I'm making the pigeon like, right, and it was just like bully them. I think this might be your spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. it was so interesting. I observed all these pigeons. That's funny.
1: So just like dynamics, interdynamics yeah. between pigeons.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. And the other thing I had to do is I had forgotten my glasses at someone's house, actually at Wendy's house, the mm-hmm. person who took our beautiful pictures. Um by the way, if you go look at on Instagram, we took these great pictures and you can get a discount by using our code Tamarin the podcast. Look at that. Oh <laughs> Wow, so good. So uh, I left my sunglasses at Wendy's house and I needed a Take the metro and go get my glasses. And mm-hmm. I panicked because I was like, Oh, shit. I'm going to need a, ma- a map to mm-hmm. know how to get there. I would say that this is the only time that I sort of cheated. Oh, because I was going
1: to ask you. That was going to be my next question. If I didn't I mean to
0: look at my map, but um, I did look at my calendar. We agree that calendars are fine. So I looked mm-hmm. at my calendar and I, and it, it, it uh, had her address and it kind of auto populated a map. So mm-hmm. I didn't go on Google Maps, but I looked at that image and I was like, Okay, I think I know which street to take. <laughs> so that was the only time that I, Cheated. The hardest part too was not being on Instagram to connect with our listeners.
1: Ah! Yes.
0: So that it, it was pretty hard, but forty-eight hours was manageable, and it was enough for me to notice that I depend on these things. And it was also enough for me to notice that, like, I didn't really miss Facebook, especially. Mm-hmm. And is that
1: something that you used to use a little bit more? Yes,
0: okay. all the time. The rotation was like email, 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 because I have like ten emails, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and like. Repeat. Rinse, repeat. Um, so I realized that I didn't really need Facebook. So it took me a while to reinstall Facebook. And I only reinstalled it because um, I do use it a lot for groups for like connected with my book club members and things like that. How was it for you?
1: So I think that the thing that surprised me the most was how light and free I felt. So as soon as the challenge started, I felt like my phone is only like a pound or whatever it is, but it was literally feeling like 50 pounds just because of like all this information that I feel like, you know, is is like just available to me. It's like almost like the fact that there's all this information and like all these different apps just like made it feel really made me feel really heavy. Mm. And so getting rid of that gave me this freedom that I hadn't felt in a long time. So that was really cool.
0: That's so cool. That's so cool. So if any of you are thinking about trying it or thought about trying it or tried it, but haven't engaged with us yet and told us about it, please let us know your experience because uh, it, it's still a good time to do, these, to do this reto. It's not like there's a deadline. It's really about challenging yourself, right? And being aware of yeah, what you totally. missed.
1: Yeah. So I think the first day was definitely hard, but by the second day, it started getting a lot of, a lot easier. I don't know if you felt the same way about that.
0: I did. I remember thinking, oh, 48. Because I'm the one that told Anna Sheila we could only 48 hours. I
1: was um, trying to push this a week, you guys. Know, I know. That, that would have been impossible, honestly. I think it
0: would have been rough, but but I realized 48 hours just, was very manageable. Like that mm-hmm. was totally doable. And I did feel, I felt those lighter feelings. And, and I think you, you, you've started a habit where you're just going to continue to kind of give yourself some time off, right? Yeah. So I
1: think it really helped me think about like what boundaries I need to set and what ways to set better boundaries with some of the tools I think that I overuse, one being Instagram. So I had like a time, I have a time limit on Instagram, so I don't go over a certain time. But now the other thing I'm doing is that like, I'm actually, when I feel like I've, I haven't done a good job with Instagram, for example, like I'll delete it for a few hours. Or oh, you
0: put yourself on timeout.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ba- basically. But it's like you have to create those boundaries, which is what we did when we did this challenge is we, is we created like real boundaries rather than having like kind of like, you know, half-ass boundaries. Because mm-hmm. it's so easy to break half-ass boundaries. But if you create real ones and it's and you create an extra hurdle for you to have to do something, then it you actually have to be more mindful, right? Because it's like, oh, I have to do this one thing. I have to re-download this to get on Instagram. How badly do I
0: mm. really need to
1: get on Instagram?
0: I right. love it. I think it's great. And I uh you appreciated being observant, like actually yeah. looking, taking in what's around me. When would you when would I have right. ever it's noticed? Like I appreciated these like
1: nature much more than I normally <laughs> yes, do, right? Looking, looking
0: up at the beautiful sky, uh, looking out from the metro instead of just straight into my phone, looking at people. It was very cool. I, I think it's a good it's a good uh reto to try again. It turns out that today is like um equal pay day and it's also April. And it's a good time. The reason why it's financial, it's literacy, financial month, right? literacy month. Financial literacy month, exactly. So, a good time to think about our budget. And um, we are going to challenge everyone to a reto. And to, I know that many of us are probably, if you're like me, you get a boba drink. You might go to Starbucks. You might be easily persuaded to go to happy hour. And all of these things really, really add up. It seems like a little bit here and there because it's a discount, it's a deal, it's a little treat, but it could really, really add up. So what we're going to challenge people to do is to, bonus points if you use cash, on Monday morning, get out $60 and try to get those $60 to last all the way through Friday. This is a Monday through Friday challenge. So $60 on on what you might spend on just yourself. So that means... Be conscious of that. Six That $60 should cover any snacks that you are tempted to buy, any Starbucks that you're tempted to buy, any happy hours that you're tempted to attend to, any lunch that you're attempt, uh, tempted to, to go to for yourself, or maybe even like parking and transportation. So that's the challenge. $60 Monday through Friday. We'll, we'll let you have the weekends and, off.
1: And we want you guys to do it with cash because we think that that would be really fun kind of, but like, because you actually have to see the money leave your hands. And I think one of the things that makes it easier to spend nowadays is that we don't often see uh, the cash that we're spending, right? Because it's not physical. So it's easier to make those purchases and just kind of like what, swiping a credit card or paying with your, you know, Apple Pay or whatever you use. You don't notice or feel the spend as yeah. much, right?
0: Yeah. So in conclusion, we want you to get physical with your physical. money. <laughs> Okay, we'll see how it goes.
1: <laughs> exactly. Get into it. Cue here. the music Jeff. <laughs> yes, to
0: producer Jeff. So uh, we want tell us how you're feeling, like document your experience, and you could do it by either con- contacting us on Instagram, on Twitter, or you can email us at our awesome email, which is contact at tamarinthepodcast You obviously like listening to powerful and inspiring women, so we want to tell you about another show that highlights women who are trailblazers and chingonas, just like us.
1: Latina de Latina, hosted by broadcast veteran Alicia Menendez, lets you listen in on intimate conversations with some of the most fascinating Latinas in the U.S., these women are changing the world in media, business, fashion, fitness, e-mess.
0: From Hollywood power producers to chefs building culinary empires to activists redefining bravery, guests on Latina to Latina are the types of women you'll come to admire. So take a listen and subscribe to Latina to Latina wherever you listen to podcasts and visit latinatolatina.com for more. So, Sheila, you and I have something in common, and that's that we're nerdy girls that are in book clubs. It's and, true. Yeah. I just
1: joined my first one recently. I'm you very excited did. about it.
0: I know. It's so excited, So excited <laughs> that we decided to make a whole episode about it.
1: <laughs> kind of, yes. <laughs> kind of, kind yeah. of.
0: Well, it inspired this um this episode. So I'm also in a book club and we both happened to discuss the same book recently. And it's the book called I Am Not Your Perfect oh, wait, not your perfect Mexican daughter. Yep. Not your perfect Mexican daughter by Erika L. Sanchez. Who hails from Chicago?
1: Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, which is Chicago. Chicago. As, Chicago. As we should say from Chicago.
0: <laughs> and this is a great book. So, not your perfect Mexican daughter. Even the name alone, if you haven't read it, I think probably resonates to a lot of, with a lot of our listeners. So, first off, spoiler spoiler alert! If you um, haven't read it and you really want to read it and you don't want to know anything, pause this podcast, go read it, and then come back. <laughs> if you have read it or vaguely remember it, and it should be a really fast read it's a really fast read it's a great read it's a young adult yes. book it's so like it's, it's
1: like a page turner I felt like back when I was a little kid reading Harry Potter you know like I, I had to like ration myself so I wouldn't read too many pages uh-huh, And, I, could, so and so I still had more to go That's, a, That's it's, how it's I felt. an
0: excellent plug for that mm-hmm. book so yeah uh, so Erica Sanchez you're listening to it we, we love your book we love your work maybe you should come on the show Woo! yeah so a quick synopsis of the show so it's basically oh, it's book. a it's written <laughs> the, oh yeah on the show the book it's a uh, um, written in first person it's the perspective of this high school student her name is Julia or Julia and she just is basically she's mourning the death of her older sister so she's a she's the younger sibling mourning the death of her older sister and and not really finding um connection with either her parents or her friends she's sort of just trying to identify like many of us are trying to identify who we are in high school so we're and also gonna,
1: being the daughter of you know uh, first a first generation first
0: generation mexican-american mm-hmm. yeah all of the all of those things so and that inspired in, in us um a lot of thoughts on about our own experiences in high school and identity and also um just you know I mean, as you just recently had the book club, there's a lot of great thoughts. So maybe you could talk, kick us off by telling us a little bit about what are some of the themes that emerged from that book? And we will both talk about it.
1: Yeah. So I think the first thing that really stood out to me was the relationship between, you know, like immigrant parents and being like first generation, whether you're an immigrant yourself, but moved here at a very young age or whether, you know, your parents moved here and, and you were born here, Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was the first thing that really stuck out to me because we can all, you know, relate and have we all have similar experiences. Definitely. You know?
0: Well what what was it for you? What was your I mean are you you were actually an immigrant? So was I, <laughs> mm-hmm. but there's that that experience. So, what, what, yeah. were there ways you connected with that character? Yeah. So Julia? I think that
1: I, I mean I think that I definitely related with her because you know even though we, me and my family moved to Mexico together, there was still there's still a very you know a big cultural divide when you grow up as a little kid here because you start watching television in English, you start you know having American experiences that are different from your your parent is is doing it in a in a in, in a kind of slower. I feel like in a lower. A slower, um at like a, slower a slower pace, pace. Uh-huh. right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: I think that that you know I can I can relate to. I think it was a little bit different from Julia. I think it just seemed like the divide between them. You know, I was telling you a little bit about this, but I felt like the divide between Julia and her mom. It's like they had an ocean dividing them. Whereas, like I feel like with my family, it was it's more like a it was more of a little charquito.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not, not a big huge divide. Yeah, yeah. So some of the things that happen in the book is that she. She's having a really hard time. Julia's having a really hard time connecting to her mom and dad. Dad's super, super conservative. In, well, not conservative. Reserved. Mm-hmm. Very reserved. Doesn't say anything. Many of us, I think, have those those types of dads, right?
1: Yeah. It's like he kind of like check, checked out and, you know, probably was dealing with his own very you know, severe or, or, you know, some kind of depression. And, you know, that was just the way that he seemed like he was dealing with it. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then and Julia has all this or Julia has all this frustration with her mom because Julia is uh, like she's she has these cool kids that do fun stuff, cool friends that like do fun stuff. But she's also very studious, but she can't seem to connect with her mom or be able to talk to her mom about her activities or what she's into. And she lives with this big, heavy cloud over her head, or or I'm not sure how to describe it, but she really feels like she can't live up to this ideal that her mom has elevated of her sister who just recently died. So you compound that the other sister was the perfect daughter, and now she's the dead daughter. So it's this extra... Uh, I'll never live up to this ideal. So she's grappling with all this. And and a lot, there's a lot about just her trying to kind of navigate and find herself and her identity and connecting to this notion of like, how do I find a way to connect with my mom? And they just don't understand each other. So, but you're saying that your experience was different with your mom. Not at all like that.
1: (laughs) No, no. I mean, there definitely was that divide also was was in the closet at the time. So I think that that also kind of amplify the the divide between not being able to connect with your parents because you can't feel like you can talk about that, you know, especially growing up Catholic the way that I did and what I thought, you know, a good Catholic girl was supposed to be. And also this pressure that I put on myself to be this model you know, Mexican immigrant daughter, kind of maybe similar to how Olga felt, I think also because I was the oldest child. So I wanted to, you know, I I was very aware of what, how how much my parents were sacrificing for me. And I wanted to just be, and I had a younger brother and I wanted to be a good role model for him. So I kind of put all these expectations on myself to, you know, lead a very good, you know, studious, religious young life.
0: What you just said really made me think back to the name of the book, You basically you you just described being a perfect Mexican daughter, Mm -hmm. and uh, we we also wanted to talk a little bit about identity. Made us think a little bit about our own identity, our own evolution to what we are. Because so I'm just curious. uh, Maybe I'll start. Like I the like the word that I've used to describe myself has definitely evolved over time. Mm -hmm. So like you. I, my family immigrated from Mexico and I was four, so it's pretty young, but still I can relate to those themes of being first generation, even though I'm actually not first generation. I'm an right. immigrant, but I'm a baby. Mm-hmm. I was a baby. <laughs> um, and I think definitely I felt Mexican forever and ever. And then I think in college, I started uh, learning about. Mecha, you know, actually, I learned about Mecha in high school. And so I first got introduced to the, the, you know, Chicano term, and I was part of Mecha. But then in college, there was the, you know, Mecha there. And I got a little bit, I wasn't part of Mecha, but they were around and, and I got connected to a lot of these thoughts. And I I, I started understanding Chicano as like a of a, a way of life or, mm-hmm. or like as more I it didn't originally it didn't connect with me because I was like, Well I'm not Chicana because I'm Mexican. I'm actually Mexican. But I think in college for a little bit I was like, okay, I get it. I understand the energy behind Chicano, it's like a way of life and it it it, it and it isn't an exclusive, like even people that are not of Mexican descent had connected to that Chicano movement. So for a brief time I was like, Okay, I'm Chicana. <laughs> I like that for a little bit. But as I Got a little bit older, I, I think I started to also find it important to be part of a larger multinational title Latina mm-hmm. and feeling that connection in a broader sense beyond just being just Mexican. what country you're from. Yeah, or your family because Fox from- News were thinks we're from three Mexican countries. Yes. <laughs> so they only think we're the same. So we we should find our connections. And so I started feeling a little bit more like I'm Latina. I'm Latina. Mm-hmm. But now that I've had some time to go back to Mexico, which I love going to Mexico, I, I do still go back to I'm Mexican. Like I would describe mm-hmm. myself as as Mexican. I am a Me- I'm a Mexican immigrant, it's true. Um, but I kind of go back and forth. So I love calling myself Latina. I also embrace Latinx when thinking about groups because I, I celebrate efforts to be inclusive. So it's been a journey. What's mm-hmm. it been like for you?
1: You know, it's actually not that different from your experience. You also came here from Mexico at a very young age. So when I and we moved to Chicago, so to the Latino neighborhood in in Chicago, Mexican and Puerto Rican, because there's actually a large Puerto Rican community in Chicago and and Mexican community in, in Chicago. So I felt very Mexican, you know, my school, the language of instruction was in Spanish, my All my parents' friends were Mexican and Puerto Rican. They started a ballet folklorico group that we were a part of as well, like all the parents and their kids. So I had a very, like my first, I remember my first two cassettes. I bought Lucero. (laughs) <laughs> if anyone knows, if everyone, people of remember course. Lucero Lucerito. and um, and Enrique Iglesias, back when he uh, only sang in Spanish, if you guys can remember. Oh, those Oh yeah, days, um, dating myself. Back, exactly, that was on his, on his. I went to his concert. In his that was his one of my cassette. first concerts. Yeah, and so I felt very proud about being Mexican and and you know that upbringing until I realized that I you know that. As I got older and I kept visiting my cousins in Mexico, I, you know, I realized, you know what, like, we're not the same, you know, oh, they they talk yes. differently, they, you know, have just different experiences and they're much wittier than than I am. And in funnier. Spanish, maybe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you're just as witty.
1: <laughs> but, um you know, and that's when I realized that, like, you know, I had had an American experience. And at this point, I really was more Mexican-American than really Mexican. And that, you know, actually... But that, like, Mexican culture is also part of, is part of American culture, you know, from, like, the beginning, you know, before... You know, California was was Mexico. So, for, for as soon as the U.S. moved, you know, west and came into Mexican land, ever since then, Mexican culture has been part of American culture. Which I thought, you know, I was thinking, reflecting on that the other day, and I was like, well,
0: yeah, you know. no, I think that's so true. And you know, I've had the the pleasure of spending some time in El Paso, Texas. I've been at Tijuana and in, in San Diego, and um, I really, you really see it there. This yeah. this bl- men- this blending of I mean you see it everywhere I mean let's be honest we live in L A like you see it here too but it's just even more magnified this um, this cross cultural no border experience and you see a little bit of that with shout out, with Beto mm-hmm. <laughs> Beto who's not Mexican but has that, but <laughs> that has Mexican a name. Mexican name but yeah. like this 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 real um, flow across cultures where and I would say that probably like. Even the, the, Mex- the people that live in, on the border, but on the Mexican side, mm-hmm. they probably can't relate to my cousins in Puebla or right. Mexico City. Mm-hmm. They can, to- they can relate more to yeah. neighbors and family on the other side of the right. border. That's a good point. So, that, yeah, it's very interesting how yeah. that, that's all evolving.
1: Yeah, but I guess so. I would say, you know, Mexican-American and also Latina. You know, I I do like that. I feel like it's more inclusive and less, you know, just focusing on what country I'm from. But all these kind of shared experiences that a lot of Latinos have and also kind of in in solidarity. Yeah. You know, Um, but I did want to say one thing about the, the Chicano term as well, because similar to you, I didn't, you know, relate to that term growing up, but also was in I was the president of my Mecha club in high school, even though though I didn't relate to the term. And, you know, I, I was sharing with you, my parents today might not really know what a Chicano is, but what was really cool is that I was actually at uh, Stanford Latino Summit. Some of you guys might have seen on, on our Instagram a few weeks ago. And so I got to meet Latinos that, you know, went to Stanford from, you know, all generations. So people in their seventies, people that graduated in the, in the sixties and the seventies, some of the earliest, you know, um, Latinos at, at Stanford were at this summit, which was really incredible. And a lot of those older, uh, folks identify as Chicanos still. And so I was thinking, you know, I had never really related with that term because I felt so Mexican, but, you know, just it was so powerful to hear their voices and just see like the strength of the Chicano term. And, and that activism from that period is the reason that today we have the voices that we have and we can identify as Latinos or Latinx or however we choose to identify and and, and have a voice. It's because of a lot of the work that Chicanos in the 70s were doing.
0: So. Yeah, that, that's an important nod. I think you were also telling me a little bit about the... Um, the Resource Center. It, it used to be called Chicano, but it, it, it has evolved, but still kept Chicano. Right.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, when Stanford didn't have a, a community center for Latinos, you know, Chicanos basically created their first center through through their work and activism on campus. And it was called El Centro Chicano. And for a long time, um, people felt that it wasn't very inclusive of other groups. And and so they've changed the the name of the center not to be called El Centro Chicano and Latino, so it's more inclusive, but it still gives a nod to the history of Latino represent Latinx representation on Stanford campus. So I think it's really special and important that you can still, you know, give homage to what, how this was created, but also be inclusive, especially to groups that maybe didn't feel like that represented them.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, that's, yeah, that's really cool. Speaking of like being inclusive, I know this is, this is probably a hot topic back at the, at the Stanford Latino Summit, this, this, um, Word Latinx. And Mm -hmm. this is something we've talked about on Tamarindo in the past before. And and there's still, it's still like there's a lot of efforts to try to embrace it. I've seen some Latino organizations like give it a try, like dip their Mm -hmm. toes in it, but they're still kind of on the Hispanic Latino interchangeably. Yeah. Um, And and certainly I celebrate this idea of, of Latinx and and I've I've learned so much over the past few years um, about being gender nonconforming, and that there's it, there's it's more than just the binary, and there's mm-hmm. there's a whole more uh, broader definition of gender. And and I like the um, the energy behind Latinx to try to be inclusive of that. At the same time, there has been occasions where this podcast was was hosted by two straight women <laughs> for a brief while, and um, We there was uh, we we heard some critique out there about we, that we were like trying to be too cool by using Latinx when neither of us were gay, so and it was very uncomfortable to to get that sort of critique when I think when, at least for me the effort of trying to use Latinx in when referring to the podcast as a you know for the Latinx community is that it's for any and all people that fall under that next umbrella and beyond and beyond. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm curious about what was the reaction in that Stanford room to that term, next.
1: Yeah, so there was a question actually posed to the entire room if the audience felt that moving forward, we should be in, aiming to use that term exclusively. And it honestly, it was probably close to half and half in terms of how the audience felt about that. And I think that, you know, it, the it's probably a little bit of what you said. You know, people that feel that Latinx um, is more is more inclusive of gender nonconforming identities, and also takes the and just takes a gender out of the the term, which I think is is great, and I love that. But also, you know, one argument against it was that it was removing the, the the spanish out of the word and so that that was a reason to have something like latino and you know that actually sound that is actually a spanish word so that was one what what one person that dissented on using Latinx suggested as a, as a reason to keep using latino and and Latina.
0: interesting. And then I know there's and, people that will say, "Well, that's the colonizers, language right?" Spanish. No,
1: I know. it's it's a tough thing. I honestly have been using both. It's sometimes I really like using the word Latinx, but sometimes you know, Latino just has a sound, and I just I like how it rolls off my my tongue, you know. And it, and I do like that it's in Spanish, even if it's our, our, our colonizers <laughs> language. But you know,
0: those are my mom and dad's and family <laughs> and grandma's language.
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah, I know it's, so it's so complex. So complex. So. We know this conversation is is complex, and it, it'll, it we often talk about identity here on this show. So, if you're listening, uh, we want to hear what your journey has been. And actually, we did invite a couple of our listeners to um, chime in a little bit about their experience with um, their evolution of their identity. And I'm going to read you a couple of them. So, bear with me while I get my phone to work again. And I want to send you like, read a couple of the thoughts that we got when people engage with us on this on this issue of of um, whether their identity has evolved over time. So there were some people that said they've always been Mexican-American. We got someone that said that now they fully identify with more the impact they want to have in the world instead of like their, their identity, which I thought was interesting. And then there was also um, someone that, let me find this exact one, hold on bear with me listeners here it is okay someone that said you know i first thought of myself as mexican but now i identify with the term chicana which is interesting cuz uh, it seems like Ch- like chicana chicano was sort of dying off but mm-hmm. this is someone that is coming to it right so it's so interesting that's very interesting um yeah what are your thoughts on some of those comments
1: <laughs> yeah well i actually had a question for you i mean why do you why do you identify why? Why is it important to I- identify the the way you do? You know, I was having a conversation with someone, and they were discussing that maybe you know us using so many identifiers is actually more divisive than you know the helpful. So I was just curious why it's important to you to identify the way that you do.
0: That's a good. That's a good question, um, or uh, or a good observation from whoever put that. And yeah, I think it's a struggle. Well, I think. It- you know, we're about to host this, something called Latinas Who Brunch, right? Mm-hmm. This is a, a special space for Latinas and anyone that connects with any femmes, basically femmes that connect with 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 um, the term Latina. And I, I'm excited about a space for women like me because I do think there's it's good. Sometimes it's good to have a space where maybe no cis, cis straight men are there. You know, maybe they're, they're, like we can talk among among women, and we have a. Sh- Similar experiences, although we could be from a variety of different cultures, when I get together with uh, other Latinas, I think there's a few things that connect us. For example, generally there's a connection to Spanish, even if we don't speak it. Mm-hmm. There's a couple words that, yeah. that you know, you know, that mm-hmm. give us a little warm and fuzzy feeling. They give us that, you know, um, that kind of like a warm hug. Yeah, so totally. I think there's something about that. Um, I think there's there's this sense of familia, mm-hmm. there's this sense of collaboration. Yeah. And so those are the things that I find that, that connect us and and it's good to have uh, a protected space to talk to each other like that. So I, I see that. The other thing the other uh, bigger um, uh, identifiers that I connect with is you know, women of color' mm-hmm. be, you know, but, I, but I also recognize why there's a time and a place to to um, extract the different things that fall within that. So, just because we're all women of color, when we, and when we say that, basically we mean everybody that's not not white. Mm-hmm. But it could be an Asian woman, it could be an African American woman, it could be an Afro-Latino woman, it could be an East Asian woman, it could be, you know, all of, all of that. But those experiences are so different, and I I would never want to uh there's no way that my I, that I navigate this world the way a black latina navigates this mm-hmm. world or a black woman navigates this world i think we can all recognize that there's anti-blackness globally and that's when there's a time and a place to to be together or or be separate like there's there's a time and a place to use those different identifiers because it's important it's important
1: yeah that's interesting so So in the past, there was a time where I didn't try to identify, I I didn't, I had very loose identifiers. Like I didn't really, when I was in college, which I mentioned a little bit, like I didn't want people to know I was Mexican for a little period of time. Like it it wasn't something that I was promoting because I didn't want people to see me through that lens and whether I deserved to be at Stanford, which is something I mentioned on the, in the last episode. So I wanted to kind of be less specific about my identifiers when I was younger and as I've grown older and especially now why I've really hung on to you know these identifiers and, and, and proudly saying I'm a Latina is also not just for um, you know connection between other Latinos and Latinx and you know whatever whatever identifiers are all our different groups are are but also for the broader community who doesn't share those identifiers because I think that the more that we share these you know these identities with with a broader community the more they can see that just because we identify as as Mexican or Latina that doesn't mean that we all have the same stories so they can start to see all these. People that identify as Latinas but have different, different stories and, and can start to see us in a more multidimensional way. Where I think like a lot of, you know, non Latinos, you know, you know, because of our representation in movies or whatever it may be, kind of have a more one dimensional view of us and that we were all, all the same and have assumptions about, oh, well, if you're Mexican or if you're Latina, then you, you know, how to dance salsa or, you know, you love all Mexican food or, you know, whatever it may be. And by us continuing to own these, identities and sharing them with people, then people can start to understand we actually are more complex and subtle than, you know, the movie that you've seen with Mexicans or, you know, yeah, <laughs> no, that's so how true. they represent us, you know? So that's I think so that's true. one of the reasons that I really have started to, you know, own my identity so so heavily to the broader community. I love community. that,
0: Anashela I'm going to give you a matraca. <laughs> yeah, I got a
1: matraca. By the way, when do is it like... How many episodes do I have to be on before I get a matraca? Of is your that own, like, yeah. Like is that? Oh you know? my god!
0: First, speaking of like labels <laughs> and it? stuff, this matraca is, we need to get a lady matraca. So I will post a picture on this on Instagram. But the matraca is like a a, a very. Like he's he looks kind
1: of sad actually he looks like Mr <laughs> Bean um, he does look like Mr Bean
0: <laughs> so we'll get you a matraca and it'll be a lady so that we can that'll have,
1: be a big moment I think when I get my own matraca. get
0: you a matraca <laughs> well this is fantastic conversation I can't wait to talk about this stuff yeah again. and I'm excited to really
1: hear what maybe some of our audience what their impressions are and their identities and you know why it's important to them and hopefully yes. we'll, we would love to get your comments wherever email the Facebook the Twitter, the Instagram, wherever, wherever, whatever tool works best for you. But I would just love to, I'm, you know, I love this kind of stuff. So I would just love to hear from people. What does,
0: what what does identity mean to you? Has it evolved? What did you think about this, this conversation here? Um, a couple places to contact us, but also I'd like to plug our new email because it just makes me feel so <laughs> professional. Contact at tamarindopodcast.com. And also one one quick plug while we're at it. Yes. If you want to join us at Latinas Who Brunch, yes, go to Tamarindo Podcast on Instagram and you can see the link in bio to buy tickets. So this is actually on in LA. So if you're not in LA, we'll we'll miss you. Um, but you'll get to, you can follow us on on Instagram. But we want to go to a lot of it. other places. So yes. If you guys want to no, invite we'll us come, there. Yeah, we'll come to you. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be on Saturday, April 6th at 10 30 at Teatro Luna in Boyle Heights. And again, you can get the tickets on com. But for now, let's uh, let's talk about what goes in La Basura and what goes uh, in La Matraca, or gets a matraca. <laughs> Okay, as we like to do here on Tamarindo, we like to throw things in la basura, Um, and I'm going to start with my basura, and then I'm going to ask Sheila what goes in la basura for her. So, what goes in la basura for me is these um, cis straight men (laughs) deciding to stick their neck out for other problematic cis straight men, when all they need to do is stick the freaking head down in the sand. What is that animal that does that? Um, um. Or the ostrich. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, very quickly, this is super in the weeds, Twitter beef. But some of you that like to listen to political news or follow political news, you might have seen an op-ed that was... Was it an op-ed? Well, it must have been an op-ed. It was recently written by uh, Lucy Flores, who is a former senator from Nevada. She's been on... uh, Friend of the pod, she's been on the on the show. We're Facebook friends. Facebook so. friends. She's cool. No, we love her. <laughs> and she wrote a very um, honest account of a time in which a creepy old dude kissed the back of her head, unwanted. And that creepy old dude is uh, Vice President Biden. Now, no surprise to anyone. There's gazillions of examples of stories and pictures of him kind of being a little creepy and a little too close to women. And I almost feel like a hundred percent of all men that are over seventy, you're gonna find these pictures. Like, <laughs> like, like it's not uncommon. So I 100% believe her, and I 100% related to the very last piece. Well, relate to all of it, but the very last paragraph of her of her column or her piece, it talked about like you know he didn't break any laws, but this is we look like we're in this culture, the society where like we just permit. Creepy old dudes mm-hmm. to do creepy old shit, and we just think like, like well, okay, pass, yeah, like he didn't murder anyone, so maybe he's fine. But no, enough of that shit. So many people. This this article got a lot of traction. Um, the Women's March elevated it a lot of a lot of traction. But um, the, in in her piece, she did mention that she confided into it with a male fr- a friend a little bit of like, hey, I'm thinking of re- releasing this story, and uh, that the male friend. Uh, by the what he shared, kind of made her doubt herself, and and I've experienced this too as well. Like you start to think, well, maybe it wasn't that bad, or mm-hmm. well, you know, you have a lot of like, I don't know, maybe maybe he
1: didn't know that it, you know, you know that maybe he didn't know any the, better. Or that's yeah. just
0: harmless or whatever. You know, you start downing yourself. So uh, I, I think I think a piece that a lot of people, a lot of women related, and she was not. She didn't out the person that gave her these thoughts. She literally was like this one friend. Fr- this one friend, very s- simple, right? And for some reason, the the dude that this that was mentioned decided to out himself. Mm. This is uh, the, like, is this the hill that you want to die on? Is what it made me think about. Like, <laughs> you really want to go out there and stick your neck out for Joe Biden, like who hasn't even announced? So, this guy's name is um, Cristobal Alex, and he is the um, he used to be part of um, Latino Victory Fund. And anyway, so this is what Cristobal Alex, like, wrote this piece, like, just basically like, I feel like I have to defend myself, me, me, me. And everything that he wrote, like, is literally exactly what she said, like, so he basically said that he reviewed pictures of the event, he didn't see it happen. And so, like, it really cast, like, what the things that he said, to me, seemed to serve no other purpose than to cast doubt on her story. Which is exactly what she said, that this is what it made me feel. So anyways, I wrote, replied to him and I said, you're the one that outed yourself and your description makes it clear to me why she felt the way she felt about her friend. Doesn't look good on you, frankly. And I think a lot of people agreed Ooh, with that. So um, snap, anyways, snap on that. what I'm putting in La Basura <laughs> is cis straight men that like, like you didn't even have to say anything. Like you weren't even outed. You outed yourself and and you look like an idiot. Because you're sticking up for this creepy dude And just because you didn't see pictures of this Nanosecond There's gazillions of other yeah, examples Yeah I saw
1: those pictures Yeah there's mm. other examples
0: Like come on Like you really think that this is someone to, to doubt with Like like you were a bad friend And then you were like Let me make sure everybody knows That I was the bad friend <laughs> Like whatever So um, he goes in la basura
1: What about you? You know what that was so good That I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> What do you is, is this allowed? Can you, can you d- put something in the basura twice? Can yes, you do a double? It what do you, does that
0: have a name yet? Basurazo. I don't know. Basurazo. I like that. <laughs> uh, now, what gets our
1: matraca? Get what gets our matraca? Yeah, you got one? You got one? So I think that our matraca goes to small businesses and organizations here in LA because you know we shared a little bit about our Latinas Who Brunch event and literally this was put together in the shortest amount of time possible, one week, and and it and it and it happened that way just because you know Latina business owners and and some men too
0: (laughs) will will allow it.
1: Um, came together and just, you know, wanted to be a part of the event. So I, I mentioned it to to Brenda that I was familiar with the Latinas Who Brunch, you know, Instagram series, and I wanted to put something together. So I mentioned it to Brenda. And then, Brenda, what did you do?
0: Well, I thought, well, why don't we, We I, I happen to know that Anasheida is is plant a plant-based diet. That's what you prefer to mm-hmm. eat. And I, we both have a mutual friend that has a fantastic business called Todo Verde, plant-based. Mm-hmm. So we put our thinking hats together and figured, because normally these things tend, to, tend to happen at restaurants, right? Yeah, restaurants. So mm-hmm. we're like, how do we, oh, oh, I know. We, we both had just gone to Talking Well Female at Teatro Luna. Mm-hmm. So shout we thought, out to them. Yeah, shout out to them. So we contacted Teatro Luna and we said, hey, why don't we use your beautiful space? And then we can have Todo Verde cater. Mm-hmm. So we're having Todo Verde, Todo Verde cater at this beautiful space. And then Don Leo's coffee reached out to us and said, do you want coffee for your brunch? We're like, yeah, we want coffee for mm-hmm. our brunch. And then, and who, who then
1: Yeah. And then so we were thinking, how are we going to decorate, you know, the event? And so I thought of the awesome, the LA Garden Uh, Boyle Heights based uh, succulent and flower arrangement business. And I reached out to them and they were down to, you know, give us something that we can have to decorate our space. So So we are so excited at how quickly this came together, how the community just was down for us, you know. And also, I think that brunches that happen like in non-restaurants are way more fun because you just can kind of move around a little bit more and there's no restrictions. And then you don't have to wait till the end and figure out how you're going to do the the bill, you know? Yeah, so, this is
0: going to be fantastic. We're selling tickets. They're $30 and you get to enjoy all of this food, including bottomless mimosas. And, and coffee, like and $30 coffee.
1: for all of that is incredible. And the food is going to be bomb. It's, it's plant-based bomb. Mexican, but for those of you that are not plant based trust me you'll you'll love it
0: You'll love ¿verdad? it You're, You're not plant And you I'm love it. I love. Right? I she love verde. for them <laughs> I volunteer in a way That they pay me So it's not, <laughs> But I love it So occasionally On, on Sundays I will, I will you serve you some tacos Brenda You can find it at, at
1: Smorgasburg At Molcajete a Selling tacos <laughs> What's your favorite taco By the way?
0: Oh my God All of it is so good You know what I really like though. I mean what? all of it is so good Yeah, yeah, yeah But the freaking rice So <laughs> anyways You get to have some of that rice So please buy your ticket We plugged it a lot And let's give a big matraca To all of that Woo! All right, we hope you love this episode. Don't forget to rate and review five stars only. Yes, at, please. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcast and contact us. Again, contact at tamarindopodcast.com. Thank you. Woo! <laughs> Go to Shopify.com
1: slash Sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Sonoro.